Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The I Am Rappaport Stereo, Stereo Podcast. Live. You're down with Rappaport. Yes, I am. 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 You better tune in. I am Rappaport.com. Because every single podcast, you know he drops bombs. I seen him on set. A seasoned vet with true talent. Catch him on his way to CrossFit. Rocking the new balance. He asked me to do the track because he know I rhyme elite. But I'm just waiting for the Robert De Niro line of the week. Breakfast of champions. Toasted bagel, cream cheese, and locks. This is I am Rappaport. The show never stops. We might catch him out in public. Stretching his knees. But if you don't listen to the show, yo. Wigga, please. Wigga, please. I am Podcast. All right, this is the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Uh, some are calling this the signature series, uh, the interview series. We're live from the Gloom Tomb in Los Angeles, California. Um, I'm in here with my guest co-host for this interview. It's the first time he's joining me on, a, on, a, on an interview, so the first time I'm sort of taking him out in public. Uh, Dean Collins. What's up? Interviewing um, the iconic, uh, influential, very influential Tom Green today. Hell yeah. That's exciting for me. All right. Why is it exciting for you? So, so those of you who don't know Tom Green, Dean, why don't you break down Tom Green? Tom Green. Uh, he comes from the 90s. MTV. MTV. That He had the Tom Green show. Which is... Enormously influential. Like my bum is on your, the wall. My bum is on the. And the Tom Green show. Uh, he, he one of the things that he did that I mean he was one of the first sort of shock, real, 
uh, you know, sort of mixing sort of, is this reality? Is this a stunt? And just weird. Like, he had his own thing. He he was sort of doing the Zach Galifianakis shit before Zach Galifianakis. Exactly. I mean, road trip. Road trip. Freddie got fingered. Um, the whole Drew Barrymore thing. Oh, yeah. his, his, his whole thing, I mean, he was he was doing the damn thing. Uh, for a long time, and and he's been just sort of, sort of ahead of a curve with technology. Like he had a web show way before motherfucker. Now like everybody's got a web show. But you were on his web show. I was like, on his web show as a, in his house, like in two thousand and seven. Yeah, you know, and it was like what the fuck, you, you know. He just he's always sort of been a little bit ahead of the curve. He had a little hiccup too with I think he had testicular. Yeah, cancer. he had testicular cancer, and he he, he documented the whole thing, and it That's was a right. whole docu series and. And 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 so we're going to be interviewing him. Uh, uh, I don't know, you're, Dean. Dean, here's what I'm going to recommend. You, you're going to have questions. You're going to get excited. You're no, gonna I'm want not. To, not you're no. going to want to get it. You're going to get excited. You're going to no, ask. I'm not. Yeah, you are. But what, 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 what? But what I want you to do is ask clean and concise questions. Okay. So so pretend I'm Tom Green and 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 ask a question. I'm gonna, we're going to do a test question right now. Okay. Um, what was it like being on the set of Road Trip? That's the fucking question? That's the question you're going to ask That's Tom? not what I'm going to ask him. You just said give you an example All question. Right. I want you to, before he gets here... Have a list. He, have your list and get your fucking mind right. That's that's great. This is the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. We're going to be coming right back. The I Am Rapport Podcast is sponsored by Casper Mattresses. Casper.com. It's an award-winning sleep startup. Go to Casper.com. $50 off purchase of any size mattress. Put in the code Rappaport, R-A-P-A-P-O-R-T, Casper Mattress in New York City. You can keep the bed for 100 nights. You could get your freak on for 100 nights. If you do not like the bed after 100 nights, you can return the mattress within 100 days. That's a guarantee. The, the, the bed will be delivered between two to five days anywhere in the United States and Canada. Same day delivery in New York City. We do not plug. We do not support. We do not take sponsorship from anything we have not tried and we are not passionate about 450%. So I'm in here with Tom Green. Yeah. Uh, with this might this might uh, people think that Dean's my son? He's not. Hello. Yeah. Um, I, hello. He's my guest co-host. Okay. My, my not real, your son. Not my not son, my son and not the actual co-host. The actual okay. co-host is a guy named G Monetti. Yeah. Um, AKA the Black Ed McMahon. Uh-huh. But he's in uh, the Bronx. Yeah. And, and Dean is a big fan. You're of the yours. albino rhino. I'm the albino rhino. Yeah. Some call me the uh, uh, the Gringo Mandingo. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of aliases. They just keep coming. And uh, we're in here with Tom Green, who. Shit, man. We, you know, I was thinking about, we were talking about, like, how, I mean, you, you have to know this, and, and I'm going to pry it at you, because I, I think as performers, we all have a certain amount of ego, but I was thinking about how, like, when you first came on the scene, how influential what you did was and continues to be. Uh-huh. You know, um, you know, we were even, you know, me and Dean, the guest co-host. Yeah, Hi. Hi, how are we're you? We're saying you were doing, and it's no disrespect, and you know, and all this shit. But like, we were kind of saying that we're outside, by the way. Yeah, the, it's nice. The, we're at the well, that's a paparazzi because right they knew we had Tom Green. Yeah, it's LAPD, actually. Yeah, they, they, that's security and paparazzi. But um, so, so don't mind that because normally we do it inside. But like, I mean, and, and not in any disrespect because I, I I love him too. But like, you were kind of like doing what Zach Galifianakis is even doing. Like, you 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 brought like a, for me like. 
when I did your 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 web series at home, your your web show at home at yeah. your house, I was like when I when I was on the way up there, I remember feeling like. Am, like what's going to happen with this guy? Like, am I going to get into a fight? Is he going to be combative? Like, I remember feeling like a little bit like you had motherfuckers on on edge, uh-huh. and 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 I think and I say that in a good way. Like, I just sure. didn't know like what to expect, and and you know when you when you did that, I mean, I'm sure you probably say there's you have your influences, and I would love to hear them. Um, but like when you first came on the scene, it was it was outrageous, but in a good way, and it was yeah. shocking in a good way. And there was this sort of line: is it is it real? Is it not real? Mm-hmm. Similar to like the Galifianakis and, and like you know and and even like Will Farrell to a certain extent like his acting, um, but you were treading the line. Like are you like are you aware of that now? Like the influence and I'm sure people yeah, must. I, mean, give I you- love love those guys and uh, you know I've gotten gotten to meet Zach Galifianakis. He's super cool. Will I did a, first time I was ever in a movie. I was in a movie with Will Farrell. Was a superstar movie, but I mean we were always trying to do more. I mean back then especially it was all about. The video camera, right? It was about real people. It wasn't so much acting as as Will and Zach are, you know, great comedic actors. This was more about pranks and pulling stunts and uh, getting real reactions from real people on the street. Back back in those, certainly in those early times, you know, when we started the show on uh, cable TV in and Canada. The, it was originally cable in Canada. Yeah, public access TV in Canada. So I was a skateboarder. You know, I was into hip-hop music. Right. I was into, like, you know, counterculture stuff back then, right? What part of Canada? It was counterculture back then. Now it's mainstream now, I guess. Isn't that crazy? You, yeah. Isn't that fucking yeah. nuts that hip-hop is like... Yeah, hip-hop and skateboarding and everything that, you know, we liked when we were kids is now uh, is now the, the biggest thing in, in media, pretty much. But, uh, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, we were trying to do something different. We knew there wasn't really, there was no YouTube. There was no, right. there was none of that stuff. There so. wasn't the instant. Yeah. And you came on the scene before the Jackass guys yeah. came on, you know, like the Tom Green show. That was, I mean, that was revolutionary. Yeah, Seeing was, that for the first time was like, there was nothing like it. Yeah, when MTV picked up the show, it was kind of a surreal experience because, you know, we'd been doing it on... Uh, on uh, you know public access TV, right in Canada, we didn't even get MTV in Canada. Oh shit! So wow. now all of a sudden we were on MTV. We knew what MTV was, right? Like we'd heard the Dire Straits song. Right. You know? We knew <laughs> what it was. We had Much Music in Canada, but this Much Music didn't really have TV shows. Was Much Music like a? a it was like music videos okay. all day. Then we're, now all of a sudden we were on MTV and they were playing the show. Um, you know. What part of Canada are you from? Ottawa. Ottawa. Ottawa, yeah. Means, Ottawa. Means nothing to me, but, oh, except for Canada. It's the capital of Canada. Yeah, I know. And the, the Ottawa, what's Did the, you know that? No, I didn't know Nobody that. Nobody knows I didn't that. know that. I didn't <laughs> know that, Tom. My brother lives in Halifax. Yeah, okay. My, my brother's a professor. Yeah, nice. At the University of Halifax there. Yeah. And the Ottawa has the Winnipegs. No, the Winnipegs. The Senators. Ottawa Senators. Winnipeg's a, Winnipeg is a city in uh, Manitoba. And They've got the Jets. The Winnipeg Jets, the Montreal Canadiens. The Toronto Montreal Maple Canadians, Leafs, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah, Ottawa Senators, yeah, Vancouver Canucks, Vancouver Canucks, yeah, you know a little bit about, yeah, uh, Edmonton hockey, Oilers, Edmonton Oilers, yeah, Wayne Gretzky dynasty back in the eighties, yeah, right, Mark Messier, Absolutely. Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, and uh, Yari Curry, Paul Yari, Coffey, yeah, I, you know, so I, I, the I, dynasty, they were the Chicago Bulls of hockey. Right. Yeah. Well, of course, because Wayne Gretzky, the great one. Yeah, absolutely. It was incredible. That's it was an incredible time for hockey. That's, that's when I was most into hockey, was when the Oilers were, were experiencing their, their dynasty years. 
I would love to continue the hockey conversation yeah. with you, but that's as far as my knowledge goes. Yeah. As far as Canadian you know. hockey, I could talk some New York Rangers shit in the seventies. Yeah, but I feel like that would alienate my audience even further. That's okay. That's okay. All right, but anyway, so 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 back back to you and 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 your stuff. So when when did it go like? This is sort of becoming a thing, the Tom Green show. From public access to yeah. MTV. Like when it hit on MTV, like when did it, like, was it instant? In, in our minds, we were going to try to make this show something big, even from when we first started it. When I say our minds, my friends and I. We're right. All, I worked on the show with a bunch of my friends. Right. I was a broadcasting student. We made videos. We convinced the public access station to give us a time slot. Um, and uh, so. You know, this was a every day, day in, get up in the morning, edit till four o'clock in the morning, every single day, seven days a week, passion, dream thing for me, right? I was living in my parents' basement. Um, but we got, like, the local paper did an article about the show early on, full page article in the Ottawa Citizen. Uh huh. That was very inspiring. I was able to show my parents that. I was like, see, look, they did an article in the paper. <laughs> I'm not wasting my time. Right. And so we did it for about another five years, and we shot like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of videos. Right. And uh, then uh, eventually I had the opportunity to, to send them to MTV through somebody that I'd met and, uh, and uh, you know, give you the short version of the story. They picked up the show and moved us to New York, and the show went on the air, and it was pretty much an instant hit show it, it on MTV. It was instant. Instant. I remember that before before they even started airing the show, MTV used to run promos right. all the time, so they'd run the promos as much as they ran the show. So the promos started running two weeks before the show, and I, I remember when we moved to New York... Uh, you know, the show hadn't even started airing yet, and everybody in the streets were, you know, Damn. hey, you're that guy that was humping that dead <laughs> moose, you know? Right. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Because MTV was, at the time, that was the place to be. Yeah. Like, I, now it's sort of a fucking joke. I think it's, it's an interesting thing. Like, I don't think television will ever really even be the same as it was back then, you know? Right. MTV, no MTV was completely different. Television in general is completely different. You know, I don't think there's a lot of places where you could put a TV show on right now and uh, and experience the kind of instant sort of notoriety that that, that, that show got. Yeah. yeah, but did you go about it differently when it went from public access to MTV? Obviously, like it was, it was still your thing, and it was shocking and outrageous and funny. But remember when I said to you, I said, if you're going to ask this fucking guy questions, like get to the fucking point. What do you mean? Dean. I'm asking him a question, but it's a fucking paragraph. Like get to the fucking what's a question? Point. What do you? It can't have like three words, and then that's it. But I said, just I said beforehand, I said if you're going to ask him a fucking question, you did say that, yeah. Okay, but he he because he's that he's looking like he's fucking bored to tears. Shit. No, no, okay, no. well no, I'm enjoying this. It's okay. fun watching you guys. No, so. go ahead, cool. go ahead, argue dude. with each Thank other. You. Get the fucking well, question. You just out. took my flow out. Now, All right, go so. ahead. I can't remember where you. Did were you going. go about you sure it? This is not your son. It's not my fucking. You're son. sure? I promise it's not. Are you 100 percent sure? I'm 100. percent He played okay. my son on a show okay. 10 years and, ago, and the show got canceled. And 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 he has paid me to be his best friend ever since. I promise you. All right, go ahead. Anyway, did you go about it differently when it went to MTV at all? Like, were there parameters on MTV? Uh, there were parameters, but um, uh, we did. We tried to sort of uh, circumvent those parameters. There right. was there was a conflict. There was a, a a period of time where we were being told what we were not supposed to do, and I didn't enjoy that. And I was very uh, passionate about the 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 show and what it was supposed to be. You know, 
uh, I fought for my ideas. I had some pushback from the network, but they kind of let me fight for my ideas too. They didn't just shut me down. And, was, it, uh, was it content or like? Because you're not a curser. I don't. You're not like I, I curse. Yeah. My my, my depths of the English language, they're they're not long. Yeah. And I lean on the curse. Uh-huh. Uh, but but was it was it was it scary? Was it was it cursing? Like what were the sort of per- like the things it you were was, fighting about? It was honestly. It was just. I had I had written and edited the entire show every pretty much everything. I had a couple of friends that helped me, but I had edited everything. I'd pretty much been the creative director of the show, I mm-hmm. guess you'd say, for for now, you know, 7 or 8 years at this point we'd been doing it. Now when we moved to New York, uh all of a sudden they gave us like six writers. Oh. You know. And so they they brought then they them would into present you. all these ideas to me and I would, you know, of course had the a right to approve them. But then when I didn't approve ideas, you know, executive would come in from the network and say, no, I really want you to do this idea. Mm. And I'd have to say, no, that's, that's not funny to me. I mean, it might be funny to you, but it's not funny to me, and that's not really what the show is. So that was one argument, having to sort of explain why I didn't want to do their ideas that they had paid writers to write. Right. Okay? And, I'd and these were writers that these weren't, these weren't your, this wasn't your crew. These, these were not just my crew. Friends. I had my crew there of one guy who was a friend of mine who came down, but it was mostly their crew. Right. And so I had to kind of explain no, and I would go in the room with the writers and I would help teach these writers how we shot our bits mm-hmm. and how it involved getting reactions from people and how we had to try to incorporate people on the street into the right. comedy as opposed to it just being a sketch and things like this. Right. right. And, uh, you know, they, they were more familiar with writing scripts and, and, and scripted stuff. And we were more, you know, trying to say, no, no, this is about, you know, candid camera. This is about pranks. This is about, about, about uh, interacting with the real world, getting reactions. Then the other thing is they had all our videos that we'd already shot. And then they would re-edit them and take all the funny stuff out. Oh. Uh, they, they specifically wanted to take, and when I say they, it was just a couple of executives at MTV. That's who, all you uh, need. You know, they aren't there anymore, and they were great people. Where are they now? And if, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but the thing is, they did, they, I, I don't really like to, I don't want to badmouth them in any way, because I'll at the end it. of the day, they, no, well, at the end of the day, they're also the same people that picked up the show. Okay. Right? So they didn't have to do that, right? Like, they saw the show, they liked it enough to pick it up. Uh, and it was a life-changing decision for me that they, they them making that decision to pick it up. So it really changed my life entirely. Okay. And so it was a good thing. But then you know, then everyone likes to be, get creative and right. put their ideas in. They one there was a policy at MTV that they didn't want anybody on the air appearing on camera who was over the age of thirty-five. And so in our show, we would go out in the street and do all these pranks. I'd go out in crutches and fall on the ground and see watch people try to help me and stuff. And the the a lot of the times it was funny. When like old people got yeah. freaked out, right? And they didn't want them. They 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 cut. They went and they went in the videos and they took all the reaction shots of all the old people freaking out, and as he, if old people didn't exist in the zeitgeist stuff. Yeah, but it was also like that was the joke, right? But why? But we're why? confusing why old that? people because they're fucking executives, and you know, I mean, but then like then and then they Jack had a blanket policy. It's MTV. It's a youth channel. We never have anybody on camera who's over the uh, age of thirty five. You 35. die at thirty five. Yeah. After thirty five, it. unless dead. it's Kurt Loader. You're dead. Yeah. At Everyone else, the yeah. rest of the planet is 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 yeah. just 35 and oh, under. Man. So it took sort of a, a fair amount of explaining and and negotiating and arguing and uh, screaming and yelling right. and calling managers. I had a manager at this point. Uh-huh. I called the manager. The manager would call them. They they'd argue. Then they call and argue with me. But eventually they they put the clips back in and uh, and people started to kind of see what it was that we were doing. It was really, uh, it was really like those early, the early year of, years of the show, 
the early year of the show that we were on MTV <laughs> was really me kind of like sort of sort of I, I guess I was sort of telling them how to do the show. They didn't know how to do this kind of show. I got you. They didn't know how to do a show where you go out in the street with a camera and and like goof around you know it was the first time we went out to do a, a, a sort of a prank on the street yeah what was it it was it was we went to new jersey we went to princeton new jersey it was the first time i ever shot a piece in america okay. with an mtv crew up to then we were just airing our old clips so we went over to princeton new jersey to film this bit it was called camouflage i wore camouflage clothing and I was hiding in shrubbery. Uh-huh. And when people would walk by, I would jump out of the shrubbery uh-huh. and say, you can't see me because I'm camouflaged. <laughs> right? But uh, that was the bit we decided to do that day. That's what we decided to do with our time that day. Uh, but um, so we got to the shoot and I was just amazed. They sent like about 25 producers walking down the street with clipboards with release forms going up to people on the sidewalk before I oh. jumped out of the oh, b- b- before that. I jumped out of the shrubbery and asking them hey can you sign their release form someone's going to jump out of the uh-huh. shrubbery up here uh-huh. and we want you to act surprised and so uh, I sort of had to sort of take all of these 25 producers aside and these you know these producers are like you know Guys my age, right. in their 20s. Right. And I just, this is not how you do it. And then this is their first job. Right. So now they're all worried that they're going to get in trouble because that's what the, their boss told them to do. Right. So now there's a big argument. So now we're all sulking in the van on the way back to Manhattan, right? And we get back and I say, well, you know, we can't shoot it like that. We had to have a big meeting. Everybody was all worried. Um, but then uh, eventually they started to understand what it was uh, that I was trying to do. And, uh, you know, I, I think they, they got it eventually because they ended up making about 20 more shows that were exactly yeah. the same. So it was so it was so <laughs> popular. I feel like if they tried to reel you in, you had the leverage to be like, look, it, I'm not doing this. I'm going to most of walk. these arguments and things happened in the first month. Right. Uh, and then that's what happened. Then really. they got it, though. Like, the show after. came out. The show was successful. It was, a, it was that show Talk Soup was yeah, on. Yeah, 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 right. Damn. So they would have these huge arguments with me about a bit. They say, you can't air this bit. And I would, I would get really adamant. We have to air this bit. How old are you at this time? I was 28. 28, 28 okay. Yeah. So I was old enough Were to- you nervous arguing with them? Because I still find to this day, you know, like when you're taking on the quote unquote man, it's like, oh, if I take on the man, I'm going to be deemed difficult. I'm going to, you know. Yeah. I think I was sort of naive in the sense that I didn't think that people- would look at it as being difficult. I thought they would look at it as me being passionate about my art. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in Los Angeles. Uh, I had never, uh, you know, been in a, any sort of, you know, movie or TV show right. at 28 years old. I was, I was never really in show business in any sense. Right. I had no concept of how it worked. All it was for me was, this is my show that I've made. I've been working on it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very passionate about what it's supposed to be like, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make it like this. And uh, I was willing to kind of fight for it. And uh, you know, I think probably uh, you know, it, it's it's tough to say. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. If I was to go back, I might not have fought as hard, and then maybe the show wouldn't have been as as ridiculous as it was. So, so I wouldn't I wouldn't take it back. But I think I learned a lot over the last you know over the last fifteen years in L.A. that you can't just go in and uh, you know it's. It's it's too bad that you know television's a collaborative thing, right? It's not about like giving somebody an opportunity to go out and just do whatever they fucking want, right? right. Which is what I wanted that show to be, and that's right. sort of what that show was. And right. Uh, I mean, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. how it came across. I yeah, that's not really. I'm not really like that anymore. I mean, I have my. I get my. I think it's the reason why I do stand up and why I do my podcast is right. because I don't have anybody telling me what to do, mm-hmm. and I can go do what I want. And then if I go do a film or a TV show, which I occasionally go do those things, still, you know, I'm 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 happy to sit back and take direction, and you know, f- you know, be a team player and right. all that stuff. It's not real. It's not really. Uh, it, it's something that's a different thing. But the, at that time, at that period of time in my life, it was about you know protecting the integrity of this show. There was no other show like it on TV. Right. So I. What felt, were your influences? I felt like we were kind of trying to create or invent something. You know. Were you uh, aware that you were like? Sorry, because I had two, two, like I threw a question at you, but. Were you aware that, like, were you like, were tr- were you like conscious, yeah. like, I'm trying to create this sort of genre of yeah. comedy, this sort of genre of yeah. you, you were, you were con- that was sort of in your head. Yeah. It was written up. We had like write ups. Like I had like a, a, a you know, a, a treatment of the show that explained exactly what we were trying to do, how it was different, you know, how it was incorporating real people into sketches. How you know the reaction shot was the punchline, right? Um, you know, and uh, you know, teaching our camera guys how to make sure that when you know I'm out in the street doing something crazy, don't film me. You know, film the person that's watching me uh-huh. because we can always film me later. Right. Uh-huh. You can't get that shot back of uh-huh. the person watching me. You know, it was always like this. Uh, I always like this. Uh, you know, uh, quote from. Um, uh, John Cleese, he said, you know, it's funny to watch somebody acting silly, but it's even funnier to watch somebody watching someone act silly. Right. So that was sort of the mantra for the show. Okay. Was just kind of go out, create a scene, get a reaction, film the reaction. Okay. And um, and so that was that was a big thing that when we started the show too, you know, at MTV was we'd go out with our camera and I, you know, the bit would be I'm a security guard, right? I'm walking around in a mall crashing into stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And we'd come back and look at the footage, and they just filmed me. You right. Know? And there was there wasn't the people in the background who right. were like freaking out. They didn't get the shot. So, but we uh, we eventually uh, we eventually kind of got everyone doing the, doing what we we got a good crew together. It was really cool. And those were and, the glory uh, days. I, I yeah. mean, MTV is such a pile of shit now. To be it honest. really is a it fucking is like, shit it's a show. Fucking I mean, joke. music is a shit show in general. Like but, the music but, but industry, the, the content. It's like, you, I mean, so. From the Tom Green show, so many other people, like, it spawned Andy Milanakis and Jackass and all those guys. Like, I feel like yeah, it was MTV great. owes so much to you, especially... Well, those guys aren't on TV anymore either, so... No, they're not, like, but... Like, no, now, they shut but, the whole thing yeah. down. They shut the whole thing down, but you yeah. were the, you know, the first one to yeah. really... Yeah. To I'm do not, that. I'm not sure. I think, I think we're kind of in a... A weird time for television in general, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good time yeah. in some ways. Yeah. There's and, a lot of it. Yeah, there's, there's a, a lot, lot. A lot of television. There's I, a lot of channels. There's a lot. There's a lot of networks. Lot but of I think it's platforms. probably hard to break through and actually get that kind of, you know, audience that it was back when there was fewer channels. Yeah. Like, I agree. You know, I agree. Which is sort of, it's a, it's a good thing for people who are actors and people that want to make television because there's so many shows right. getting made. But it's never, I don't think if you put a show on MTV now, you wouldn't have three million people watching the show. Like, you know. Yeah. You know the first month that's on the air and that just doesn't seem to happen that much anymore so and i hope that television doesn't it doesn't blow itself up because there is so many fucking channels i mean mm. there's so many channels there's so many networks and there's so many good things but there's just i feel like it's like where's it's like every day there's this channel there's that channel there's apple tv there's channels within apple tv there's youtube channels there, i mean it's just like they're it's, still figuring it out but i just hope it doesn't 
you know, like it doesn't like the, the bubble doesn't burst. Yeah. How was the transition from going like going from the Tom Green show to doing movies? Were you was it more nerve wracking knowing that it was like, OK, I have these set of lines like, you know, I could improv, do my thing. But what was that like? Uh, it was it was definitely uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was it was so, some some parts of it were nerve wracking, although I get I get nervous about virtually everything pretty huh. much. You know, are like you that. nervous right now? Uh I mean, a little bit, a little bit. You shouldn't be. This is a good yeah. atmosphere. I mean, I, 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 I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I don't. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not that nervous now because I'm, I'm very comfortable in this environment. You know, podcasting. Right. Stuff. Yeah. Right. But like when you know when I'm going on a show, like a talk show with right. an audience. Yeah. Usually when there's an audience involved, there's that I rush. Get, I get yeah, I get that adrenaline rush. I get those nerves. Um, um, but uh, no, I mean back back then it was. Uh, Maybe a little more nerve wracking because I'd never done any scripted things before. The first movie was Road Trip that I oh, really right. did, and that right. was kind of basically the first time I was in a movie. I, do, I was in this movie Superstar yeah, with Will Ferrell before that. Just cut a couple of lines. My friend, uh, one of the kids in the hall, was directing it, Bruce McCullough. Right, right. And uh, he had been watching my cable show and put me in that movie before MTV. That was sort of the first sort of real show business experience I had. We shot that movie up in Toronto, but. I really, I, I think I, I had two lines in the movie, so I didn't really have to worry about memori- memorizing lines or anything. But Todd Phillips directed Road Trip, and he uh, was a fan of the Tom Green show, and he uh, put me in these um, Pepsi One commercials mm. that ran during the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness, uh, during the first season of MTV, during the first few months of the MTV show, and that—that's uh, kind of how I met Todd, and then I ended up doing that road trip movie, and that was fun. Did he, I mean, did I wasn't you... supposed to stick the mouse in my mouth. I, that's what I was going to ask. That I mean, wasn't, in the script, I'm supposed to feed the mouse to the snake, but then I, I put the mouse in my mouth when the camera was rolling. Yeah, when yeah, the camera I mean, was rolling, it's fucking. It, like... I was dangling the mouse above my mouth, and it sort of it. I felt it sort of grab my lip with its little paw, so I I just lowered it, and it sort of voluntarily walked into my mouth. Yo, I mean that was a jaw dropping yeah. scene. It yo, was like, I would fucking yeah. yo, well, I don't I, fuck I, with mouses. I like animals. I I, I don't. Snakes. I don't like dead animals. There was a fucking dead rat right over there. We yeah, had to get pe- I should well, have Tom to come. I wouldn't over have put a dead. Had, I mean, I wouldn't have put a dead mouse in my mouth. No, that's but this that's was live and it was. There was, was it a, one take? Did you only do one? Well, so then after we did it, I had to coverage. do it about twenty more times. Yeah, Ugh. and the mouse enjoyed it. Really, it, it did every time. It was very relaxed in there. I could tell because it urinated. So, you know, it was uh, certainly not uh, nervous. <laughs> Yo, that is fucking. How much of that was improv? Like not just that scene, the but urination, that, just or? that the whole oh. The movie. Oh, the whole movie uh, with with no, all for, of your stuff. Not not too much, not too much. I wrote the song. I wrote the song, the Tiny Salmon uh-huh, Swimming in the Stream song. I wrote that like on set right before we did it. Um, it feels like your whole performance was just all of it was. It just yeah. felt like it was. Improv. A lot of it was pretty pretty scripted though. A lot of it was. I was the tour the the tour the tour guide. Yeah. I think the first couple of days I didn't really realize how structured things were in films because mm-hmm. I was definitely improvising too much, and then you know Todd would be kind of like. Okay, we kind of gotta tell the story now, you know. <laughs> but it was uh, it was cool. It was a fun one for sure. Yeah. But then I guess the the one that really this time was you know one of these surreal times that sort of probably once in a lifetime kind of things that happened where you got a hit show on MTV and all of a sudden people were asking me to do movies. Right. So I thought, wow, this is crazy. And we had this sort of attitude at the time where we wanted to kind of do things 
and make everything insane. Right. right? And the movies were not insane. Right. They were normal movies. Right. right? Normal comedy movies. Yeah. Funny, but not insane. Right. And so, you know, I sat down with my friend and we wrote this Freddy Got Fingered. Right. Because we wanted it to make something that was insane. And uh, we did that. And um, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, you know, what would have happened if I just did all the sort of normal funny movies that, that we were getting offered? Maybe I'd still be making a lot more movies. Right. But, uh, but, but we have this huge cult following for uh, Freddy Got Fingered that's, that's pretty cool. And people love the movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy I, mean, I did Freddy it. Got Fingered and, and Road Trip. Like, those are, those are fucking iconic. classics. Yeah, Freddy Got Fingered's a weird one. That's for sure. People, it, people like, know the lines. When I do stand-up now, I... Uh, I sometimes end my show with asking people to yell out their favorite line, and it, whether I'm going to Australia next uh-huh. month again or wherever I, you know, I've been there a few times, and people know all the lines of that movie. And they so do them while you're doing your. It becomes up. like this crazy, like Rocky, Rocky Horror <laughs> Picture Show kind of thing. Right, everyone's just, shouting them out. Just everyone show, at the end of the show, I get everyone to, and then I reenact the whole movie for people. The whole oh, thing. Fuck, yeah. I want to. Yeah. Are you yeah, enjoying awesome. doing stand up? I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's it's. I did stand up before all that stuff. I did stand up when I was. Uh, oh, did you? I did stand up when I was like a teenager, um, before the public access show in in, in Canada, and then uh, started doing it again about ten years ago, and uh, been basically touring nonstop. And uh, it's it's was the best decision I've ever made. I think to go back and start doing that because again. of what? Because uh, I have like, first of all, I have this great audience all around the country and mm-hmm. Canada and the US and, and Australia and in England and I can go do shows and uh, make a living right. and uh, do what I love to do and nobody's really telling me what to do so that's 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 one nice aspect of it I mean the the, the main thing though really is it's just it's so uh, um, cathartic right to be able to get up on stage you know five or six times a week for an hour. Is that and, how long you do it? Yeah. And I just kind of like can talk about whatever's pissing me off uh-huh. and hopefully try to make it funny or, uh-huh. or make it funny, you know? And uh, and I think the older you get, you know, I'm 44 years old now, so like there's a lot more stuff that's pissing me off right. now. Right. I was pretty pissed off before, but now it's just like, you know, it's nice to be able to get up and just rant about things that you just find ridiculous, you know? What, what are some of your recent... Piss, like rants, things that piss you off, like things that you've been zeroing in on. Well, very recently, like I'm like very recently, like lately, I've been I've been talking a little bit more about my personal life because it's sort of a mess. My personal life is a complete how so? Of, well, you know, like I've just you know I just recently another girlfriend and I just broke up. You know, before we broke up, I was with this other girl that. Thank you. I'll have another drink. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, fresh water. Good time for a drink. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah so you know, so talk a bit about relationships. How ridiculous that gets how right. just how you know i was going out with this girl she would like throw a glass of red wine in my face in over public what? over whenever she was sort of angry about something uh she would throw a glass of red wine in my face the wine or the glass and the no wine. just the wine like what? What's just the one? One of the times she threw glass in your and I, and water. it was a, it was a brilliant strategy by the way on her part. Like if you're in a disagreement with somebody and you you're in public and you throw a glass of wine in their face and then and then run away, you look like the fucking. Of asshole. Of course, you look like the asshole. You never win. Everyone's in that looking situation. at you like, oh, that guy's an asshole. You must have you know, done something. You, you must have done something wrong. You're wet. 
Right. You're, you're stained. I mean, it looks like a murder wet. scene with a fucking yeah. right. red wine all over yeah. your face. It's like, and, and so this was starting to happen very regularly. I'm Are you thinking, fucking this is serious? probably not going to work out here. <laughs> How many, like, after the first time, you weren't like that? Yeah, I've never... I, I, mean, I thought, okay, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I said something wrong. Like, maybe. What, what, do you remember what caused the first or second time? Or any of the times? I've never had that happen to me. And yeah. I'm a motherfucker. And when she's yeah. ordering the red wine, I would have been like, you're not fucking ordering red wine. Oh, no. I mean, I, it got bad. It li- I was literally planning my evenings. I'd be wearing like burgundy sweatshirts. Oh and <laughs> so it matched. <laughs> 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 I, uh, so you I, uh, couldn't tell the difference? I, That's uh, fucked up. I was, I was, you know, so I talk about that. I talk a lot about technology in my stand-up. I talk a lot about like, I've been talking about this for a few years now and expanding on it just about how we're all addicted to our Facebook pages and our cell Horrible. phones and our texting. He is the fucking and we worst. can't stop texting. It's... We're always on Twitter. Twitter and we're always, we're all, and, and you go out with people now, and everybody's on. I was in, a, I was at El Compadre mm-hmm. uh, a, a few uh, weeks ago, and I was sitting there with my friend, and I looked around the room. There's maybe 15 other people in. It was at lunchtime. There's maybe just, you know, the restaurant was half full. There's maybe 15, 20 people there. Every single person on, in the entire restaurant was was texting, and looking at their phone. It was silent. Oh. Was, nobody was talking. We were in a nice restaurant. Right. Nobody was talking. Everyone was just sitting there like robots on their phone. And that really annoys me. I, I, you know, being 44 years old, you know, you, you don't probably remember what the world was like before cell phones. I right? actually do. You probably, I know you right, fucking I do. don't. Yes, you're I 25. Do. I'm 25. Yeah, you're 25. You About claim to, to know what the world was like. You know like nothing. Before. I, listen, I got a cell yeah, phone when, in when, ninth when, grade. Yeah, yeah. And it was a fucking in ninth grade. What year was this? Exactly. So that's exactly what I'm. That's exactly what my year was point. But Two? honestly, that is exactly my point. In ninth yeah. grade, you had a cell phone. I didn't get a cell phone until I was 28. Okay, but I went now it's like way, fucking seven years old. I went old. all the way through high school without That's a true. cell Me phone. Too. You know, I, I, you'd walk to school. You'd be alone. Nobody could get a hold of you. Right. You'd be, it was more relaxed. You'd be in your thoughts, your fears, your thoughts, your your your, your perversions. Yeah. everything. <laughs> it was a relaxed world. You had freedom. You had freedom to go it's and horrible. do things. Now everybody always can talk to you. Whenever so you're anywhere, at any moment, some bad news could come in. Ugh. You're always on edge. You always know that at any moment, this thing in your pocket could deliver some bad news. Or you might or, have a great stroke of brilliance that you have to tweet out. Yeah. Because I have strokes of brilliance. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah. I got to get them out. Exactly. Before, you'd just think about it, mm-hmm. you'd know it was great, and then you'd forget about it. And you would yeah. never tweet it out. Yeah, it's And it was nice. Up. And it was magical. So, are you, so you, that annoys you, but how often are you on your phone? Oh, a lot, but I, I but I'm aware of it now, and I and I make an effort to to Do you like uh, leave it at home, and then you go to lunch and you see it. And then it's like a whole other world. I don't leave it at home, but I I turn it off a lot. All right, that's good. Uh, I don't check it a lot. I'm always very conscious of when I'm with people not to check my phone. Unlike most people, I like that. Michael. Yeah, most people when notes. I'm with people, they're always on their phone, and I I I I, I actually like feel sometimes like it's disrespectful. You know, when you're out with people to start. He's like, hey, I thought we were having our time no, together. It, it's I bad. I thought we were hanging out together. It's Who bad. are you talking to now? Who are you talking to now? Why are you talking to somebody? We're, I, I took time out of my day to hang out exactly. with you, and now you're talking to everybody else? And then you got to repeat yourself. They didn't hear it. Yeah. Fuck. No, it's, it's like, I'm not it's saying bad. it. I'm, yeah. I'm fucked up about it, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm all cracked out on my shit. Yeah. It's like an epidemic. Yeah. It's fucking, it's bad. Yeah. And I have, I have, I, 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 I have a lot of, uh, 
sort of uh, sort of scenarios that I paint my stand up about relationships and uh-huh. how like Instagram and Facebook is just annoying when you're in a relationship and I'll I'll, I'll sort of dissect uh, people's relationships and married couples in the front row of my show do a lot of crowd work with people oh, and do stuff. You? oh that's cool yeah it's fun it's that's it's, cool it's, man. it's really fun I want people to leave the show thinking like okay we laughed a lot we had a good time everything he said was was funny and true but also maybe think you know what i'm actually gonna like you know turn my fucking phone off once in a while right i'm gonna go take a walk with my phone off i like that are you gonna be performing in la anytime soon i will be yeah but i'm 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 on the road the next uh couple months you're going to australia going to australia in march for for how long for three weeks so all over Australia, all over Australia, I'll do a couple comedy festivals in Melbourne. And are uh, the broads? At, not, are the broads? Ever, I've never been to yeah, Australia, but I've yeah. heard the women are beautiful and 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 just sort of open. Oh yeah, sure. Is that real? Yeah, it's like Canada with palm trees. Canada's yeah. like that too. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But are you going to be like? Is it every <laughs> day a show every day, or do you act? Do you get some downtime to like? Uh, pretty much fun. a show every day. Yeah, right. I got a couple days off here and there. There's travel days because I got to go to different cities. Right. But uh, you know, it's just one show a day, so it's nice. You get the whole day off to hang cool. out, then you go do a show. And I play these uh, nice theaters in Melbourne and and Sydney, where it's there's these big comedy festivals there. So I'll go do six nights in a row at a comedy festival in Melbourne. It's, That's cool. It's this really nice theater. And like, how Athens. many how many seats are like these theaters? Uh, in uh, they're about they're about thousand seats, eight hundred seats. You That's know? nice. Yeah, yeah. Is there Sydney, a specific yeah. place where it just doesn't translate to people? Like, have you experienced that where you're like, fuck, this is just. It's good not question, working. Dean, that's a good question. Sometimes, not, not, not the, not, not. No, the answer is no. But uh, which was a surprise to me because I was sort of the first time I went there. I thought, geez, I hope they, you know, understand my accent or know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. Or, it, but you'll notice the first night when you're there, doing your first show, that there'll be certain jokes that just will fall flat, and then you realize, uh, oh, they have no cultural reference towards what Sears is. You know, okay. they don't know what they don't know what the Sears catalog is. Uh, you know, or or they or if you refer to like uh, you know whiteout, they go, oh, you know, like, like or, or you you don't even know what whiteout. I know is, what whiteout is. You, Come you, on, you've never used what is, whiteout I'm in not, your life. See, what is whiteout? Whiteout is fucking the white shit that you put over an error yeah, like, okay, on yeah. your paper. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When you had to do that. Listen, back. I was. I'm not when, in they, the, when you had to do that back before you were born. You're they 25. Would, they had this stuff called. I'm White almost up. 26. No. So, anyway, you're, you're on a fucking come ticking on, time bomb. When you realize, okay, got finger got, got, came yeah. out. What year yeah. did Road Trip come out? Uh, 2000. So I was 10 years old, and I, <laughs> I remember when that came out. You were and 10? me and my friends at camp. We were like, "Holy shit!" We like. I remember my friends at camp snuck a copy of Freddy Got Fingered yeah. in their bag, and we had a portable like DVD a player. Porn, like a bag. It was porn. like that, and we would watch it, and <laughs> and they like took it away from us. It was confiscated. Like, the absolutely. Illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so so Tom, when so so when we, like who are your who are your guys? Because like, one of the what's the guy's name? Because I, I, I want to ask you about the Letterman, but Letterman's guy that was on there for years, Christopher. No, um, Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott. Love Chris Elliott. Yeah, because yeah, because like you, that, I, I was just thinking like, and, and obviously uh, Andy Kaufman sort yeah. of was you know bridging that like, what's going on? Is this yeah. real? Like, who were the people like you looked up to and admired? You know that that yeah. you know sort of influenced that style that you that you had. Well, Letterman was was just the whole Letterman show was was probably the biggest sort of influence in the sense that. I mean, the whole show was modeled after that. You know, right. I mean, not not as much. You know, our pranks and things were completely different. But he would go out in the street when he would go out in the street and do stuff. When he'd yell out the window on his megaphone or or deliver a fruit basket over to to the you know the head of the 
GE or whatever and getting getting arguments with security guards. Right. When he would get in arguments with his guests, all of that like TV gone wrong right. stuff was something that was hugely, you know, exciting to me. You know, and when Late Night with David Letterman came on, that was like the first time I re- remember ever sort of uh, seeing that. You right. Know, where I was like, you know, you'd been watching Johnny Carson with your parents your right. whole life. And all of a sudden there was a guy that was at a desk, kind of like Johnny Carson, except he was fucking around. Right. right. Like he was like, you know, doing stuff that sort of seemed like uh, things were going wrong. Right. You know, Madonna called him an asshole. Yeah. Right. Holy crap, someone said asshole on right. TV. You know? Right. It was, uh, you know, Crispin Glover tried to oh kick him. Oh, my God. Right. Came that back was and nuts. I'm not sure that Letterman liked that bit so much, but it, it was, to me that was like this was one of the great moments of the show, you know, when things would go wrong, you know. <laughs> Um, did you see the get, Andy Kaufman thing like live, or did you know? No, the, the Andy Kaufman stuff. I kind of found out about Andy Kaufman later, actually, uh-huh. which was I don't know if it was just something that I. I mean, I knew him as the as from Taxi, but I really I really didn't know the whole Man mythology the really put that out until there. when Man on the Moon came out, which was bizarre because I was actually, uh, you know, basically. When that movie came out, I was in the hospital with uh-huh. cancer myself at the exact same oh, time The Man on the Moon came out. And people were saying, hey, is this like an Andy Kaufman thing? You know, are you pretending to have cancer? All this guy. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm pretending. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a lot of weird stuff there. But uh, I love Andy Kaufman now that I've gone and watched everything that he did. And uh, But it was like Letterman. It was Monty Python. It okay. was It was... SCTV, Saturday Night Live, okay. a lot of the, the things that like that, and then you know skateboard videos, uh-huh. skateboarding videos, and you know hip hop music and independent music. You know, I was a college radio show. I did a radio show on a college radio station. In you know when I was a teenager, were you so playing hip hop? Playing hip hop, yeah. Did you see? There's a documentary. That, I saw your movie. I love your movie. Oh, yeah. No, not yeah. mine. Yeah, I, I love your movie. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've talked no. about before, though. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I know. I love your movie. Tribe Called Quest. I was There's a beats, dope. rhymes, and life. Right? Thank, yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. But did you? There's a doc that you should check out. My favorite album of all time, Low End Theory. It's a good fucking album. Stretch and Bobito, music that changed lives. About the Stretch and Bobito. Stretch Armstrong, Bobito Garcia show that they did out of Columbia University. You should peep it. You're oh, okay. Fucking love it. Okay, cool. And because their show was sort of on the cusp of uh, everything that was going on in New York, and it was, you know, sort of a, a younger version of what they not younger. It was just a, it was just another version of what stuff that was going on in New York, and it was a, a you know a breakthrough radio show. But they did it out of Columbia. You, you're gonna oh, that's it gave cool. me goosebumps watching it. Like it brought back all the memories. We that were it, like really really into rap music. How are you getting and, it up there? And 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 see the thing is is you know we were goofy Canadian kids, right? And uh, you know with our Canadian accents and our you know zero street credibility, right? But we loved the music. And, you know, there was an indie record store up there that we'd go to and get, you know, vinyl and cassettes. And uh, we'd get, like, you know, the old, you know, it really, it really, to me, it was, you know, it was, I mean, I mean, the first time I heard a rap song was, a rap song was Sugar Hill Gang Rapper's Delight. I remember right. just being, I had it on a cassette. I had it on a, a compilation cassette and just listened to that over The Sugar and over. Hill Gang compilation? It was no. It was just. It was just like a top forty compilation. But that one song was on it. Of course, it was the first time I'd ever heard anything like it. And I just listened to that song for a year. But uh, they weren't playing that on the radio in Canada. There was none of that stuff. It wasn't until maybe 
really the first year of high school that, you know, like there was other kids listening to, you know, Run DMC, Beastie Boys. Right. You know, it was really that's when we public enemy was when we knew, OK, this is this is really, you know, this is really like something different now when we started listening. When I started listening to public enemy because Run DMC was still playing on the radio. Right. You know, that was that was mainstream at that point. Right. But, you know, walk this way was mainstream. But that was huge. But then, you know. Nobody knew what, you know, nobody in my high school knew what Public Enemy was. Uh They weren't listening to Public Enemy. Uh They weren't listening to Boogie Down Productions or Gangstar, you know. And and we sort of discovered this world and just really kind of got into it. I started making music. I started making beats. I got into, like, samplers. Did you really? Yeah, I got, like, Akai samplers and drum machines and keyboards and all this stuff and really kind of got into trying to make music and basically made this 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 uh, started making music and when I was when I was 16 years old we met this guy in Ottawa who was American guy from Atlanta uh-huh. uh huh he had a, his brother uh, his brother Boogie okay in New York was it Boogie or Boogie. Because you said Boogie Down Productions, and I think it's just your accent. Was it B-O-O-G-I-E? Boogie. That's, so I say Boogie, you yeah. say... Uh, yeah, I, I say it wrong. I say Canadian. Yeah. No, I know. I, like I meant that. Boogie. There you go. I meant Boogie. There you go. I, not no, Boogie. Not No disrespect. Yeah. Cause you, you I know, even say uh, Booger. A booger, not booger. But that sounds. Even it's just. Good. It's just a Canadian thing. I got I like it. I'm no pasta, pasta, taco, taco. We got clamato in Canada. We make Caesars. You make Bloody Marys with tomato <laughs> juice. Right. You know, it's there's so many differences. So, but, uh, <laughs> so boogie, boogie from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he had a recording studio in New York, mm. and when I was 16, he brought us to New York to record a, a demo. Uh huh. So we got to New York, and uh, we stayed at his place for like. Five weeks. Oh shit! And recorded, and uh, you know sometimes he'd leave for days at a time. We'd just be at his house, like hanging out, hanging out in New York City. Sixteen years old. I can't believe our parents let us go, but they wow. they let us go down there and do this. And he had a cousin who lived in Brooklyn uh-huh. and in uh, Brownsville. Oh shit! And we went to Brownsville and we shot a music video. Get the fuck out of when here! When I was sixteen years old. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. In in and I remember that it was because Brownsville. That's it where was a tough, from. That's, that's right. That's where I grew up. My my best friend Brownsville. I have a you know tough part of the part. Uh, it doesn't New get York. tougher. And it was. I remember that it was. It was. You know, we were like these. You know, goofy. You know, white Canadian kids from Ottawa. They must have been like, what and, the fuck? And we, <laughs> we rolled into Brownsville and uh, and we took out some speakers and we set up our speakers and we just started rapping the oh, song. Shit. And uh, everyone crowded around, came around, came out of the, all the projects came out and started hanging with us and oh, uh, shit. dancing. Everyone was dancing. It was totally this totally amazing video, which I have on a VHS tape somewhere. I want to see you that Yo, you need box. to release that shit. It's not on, not on YouTube or anything. Yo. And I have to go find it. We got to put you that shit to. out. Yeah, yeah. We got to premiere it here. Somehow yeah. we need like Yo, a visual I, element. Yeah, I need somehow I got to, yeah. you know. It exists. It yeah. does exist in a cardboard box somewhere <laughs> in a storage space over in a Burbank somewhere. <laughs> So you could have taken. So why didn't you take the music path? Like, were you well, were we, you serious enough to be like, I want to do? So music. we got a record deal in 1990 in Canada, mm-hmm. and, uh, and this is straight hip hop. It was, you know, it was us trying to do. It was us trying to be like, you know, 
we were trying to do our version of the Beastie Boys. Right. right. We just weren't, you know, as good as the Beastie Boys, right? But well, we, <laughs> we wanted to be, though. We had we had the we had the desire to uh-huh. be as good as the Beastie mm-hmm. Boys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like making the beats, but you know, um, but uh, you know, we had the we had a single that came out in Canada in 1991, and uh, we got nominated for an award in Canada, Juno wow. Award, which is like a Grammy. And then, uh, then uh, you know, we did one record, uh, didn't sell enough records, got dropped from the record label. I went back to school and studied broadcasting and started the TV show. And the, but, rest uh, is, the rest is the rest is hip hop history. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. incorporate that. In, on your shows, whoever you were Bum doing Bum it with. song on MTV. Oh, that's right. Okay, so that's so where a lot of the music. I brought some stuff. of the music back, but that was a little bit sillier than what we were doing. Right, but, but the group, was, the rap group, was always had its comedic elements. You know, it was like we would like. Uh, I always tried to make it really weird. So we kind of got in a little conflict with the band when the band was coming out because you know we'd always been doing really weird shit on stage. Right. Like we'd we'd do two songs and then some you know bad industrial music that I made would kick in and we'd all put laundry baskets on our heads uh-huh. and just like start rotating slowly uh-huh. for like three minutes in front of the audience during the during the you show know, we opened for third base at oh, um, shit. at um yeah I'm, I don't know if they even know this because the they had this group called the Dream Warriors from Canada open for them. And uh, we went down to uh, Rutgers, New- Rutgers. New- Br- Rutgers University. Sorry to correct you. New Brunswick, New Jersey. So- Go ahead. We drove down there to open for third base. Never met third base, but uh, I don't think they even know this happened, actually. Cause they would was, probably appreciate it. Yeah, this was years before I was on MTV, and we were, opening, we were opening for their opening act. Okay. So their opening act was the Dream Warriors from Canada. And uh, so we went down and uh, did like three songs in front of uh, their crowd. And how'd that go over? Uh, it was it went over pretty good. I, I'm not. I think the laundry baskets confused them a little bit, though. The crowd was a little confused by the the laundry basket right. moment, and, and, which it, was very enjoyable to me. Right, because we, you know. We'd be rapping, everyone would be kind of like, oh, who are these kids from Canada? This is pretty cool. And then all of a sudden we break out the laundry baskets. And like, you could tell like the audience, you know, was, this, was a, this was a hip-hop crowd, right? This was, <laughs> like, 19, this was like 1990. This was maybe 91, something like that. This, these were, this was a crowd that took their hip-hop seriously. Of course. At Rutgers University in New Jersey, and they were there to see third base. And, um, and then all of a sudden we got laundry baskets on our heads, but... I don't think they were really quite able to like hate on it because it was just too fucking weird, right? You know? So I think it actually went over pretty well. It was pretty funny. So since you said you made you made beats, who would you say your top three hip hop producers? Your favorite? Mm. And I know it's interchangeable. And if you want to do five, you could do that. Um, you know, like the sounds that producers, that's, huh? producers. Uh, let's see. Well. Uh, Premier, premier, like, of course. Like like his uh, Gangstar. Yeah, absolutely. And many many others. Uh, the Bomb Squad. Okay. Public Enemy. Okay. Just because it was so groundbreaking at yeah, the time. Absolutely. You know those sounds, all those sounds that they had in there. Yeah, it was they were they were doing it. You just sort of couldn't really. Yeah, I remember when you when when you when I heard Public Enemy for the first time. You know, you were sort of like, wow, what are all those sounds? Yeah. How are they doing that? Yeah. That was amazing. And I would say, actually, uh, a friend of mine, who is, and I'm not just saying this because he's a friend of mine, he's, he's, he's a f- probably a friend of mine because he was one of my favorite producers, is uh, Mike Simpson from the Dust Brothers. Oh, shit, okay. Who did Paul's Boutique. Okay. Which I think is a, a, a groundbreaking, uh, everybody considers that such a groundbreaking album for sampling and everything. Yeah, I mean, they killed it. So, uh, yeah, those would be my 
my my three favorites. Yeah. And then MCs, who's your top 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 five? Top five. Got to yeah. do top five. Top I saw five. Chris Rock at the uh, <laughs> at, a, at a thing recently, and I um, and it was that Saturday Night Live party that they had this year, right. the 40th party, and it was just a surreal. That was a surreal thing. I'm sure. But Chris Rock was there, and I, you know. Walked up to him and I said, I want to give you my top five. Right. <laughs> right. So I felt pretty cool about that. Uh, my top five. So here's my top five. I have a top five. Give it to me. In no particular order. No particular order. Okay. Well, Public Enemy. Okay. Beastie Boys. Okay. Eric B. and Rockham. Yup. 30th anniversary of Eric B. for president the other day. Yeah. Fucked my head up. God, that we're song. Old. We're so old. That tripped me out because <laughs> that, that song was like. Yeah. It's still such a unique. One of a kind. The the this, the pace of it is slow, uh-huh. and also, I mean, when it came out, it, it. But I was like, damn, man, thirty years ago that shit came out. Yeah, it's still every time it comes on, I'm just like, God. That was damn. the first time I remember somebody rapping like that, cool. You know, like they weren't like yelling. No, they were like laid back. He just, just slowed the yeah. whole thing down. That was that was a whole new sound. So yeah, uh, Eric B. Rakim, Public Enemy, Beastie Boys, Tribe Called Quest. Okay. And uh, yeah, this is the, the hard part because you'll you'll you want to pick the right one. It's interchangeable, you know. It could, it could you could be on the drive home. You could say, "Oh, I, I, it could be a different five. Yeah, I'm not going to judge you. Everybody- so I was never I was never into the as much like I know a lot of people would say Tupac. I was never really into the West Coast style as mm-hmm. much, even though I, I like Tupac. Tupac, um, Biggie, I like Biggie, but that's sort of like you know a little more modern than right. maybe what I would right. say, you know, because I was sort of more into it back when I was right. Uh, um, so uh, let's say Run DMC. They're fucking yeah. We we we, we you DMC. have a very similar list. Cause yeah, I mean just the list. Like, I mean, it, it, because uh, not only you know they were like uh, you know they changed they, ch- they they almost created it in a lot of ways. You yes, know? They, they you know you got to kind of give them. I mean, and at the time. I, 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 at the time, yeah, I, I was probably more excited about Run DMC than any of any of them because it was the first one that I really got into. And they know? were so good, and yeah. and 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 the style and the song making, they made great songs, and 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 the flow, and then the whole presentation, yeah, with the hats and the Adidas mm-hmm. and the you know the shoeless shit and the leather jackets, yeah, and then you know and they, I mean they each one of them, Jam Master J. Be in the center and then run in DMC as, as MCs. They were just like it was just like a fucking super group. Yeah, you know when you look back on like the talent level, it was like run in DMC were both just boom boom boom, and it just yeah. was. And then they brought it. Was, they were just so influential, and they brought in the Rock and the Rick Rubin, and I mean they just everything for me is like <clears throat> goes back to when you first discovered something, how amazing it was to yeah. you, and the feeling that you got from music when you were first discovering things. So I find it hard to like really get into. Like for for me, I, I just yeah, I, I think you know I'm 44 years old. And I start saying things like I used to hear my parents say, like, "Oh, the music's just not like it used to be." But it isn't though. <laughs> That's true. But I, I mean, think a lot of it has got to do with just when you first, like, when you're a teenager and you're discovering all of these things for the first time. Not just music, like you're getting laid for the first time, you're drinking for the first time, you're partying for the first time, you're experiencing some freedom for the very first ooh. time. And you're discovering music for the first time, and you're you're really connecting with music on such a deeper level at that age because they're rapping about stuff or singing about stuff that's that's meaningful to you 
all these new things girls you know partying fun you know you know shooting so, people we yeah killing motherfuckers exactly. that stuff too busting yeah. caps up in motherfuckers yeah. asses yeah and when you're you know then then once because I do that and I did that like you get I'm that like out spraying, of your system da, 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 yeah. I'm shooting motherfuckers <laughs> left and right right yeah I would I would presume so. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, no, I know, I I know what you mean. I know, but what, what concerns me about hip hop in general is is that because of technology uh, now, anyone can rap, yeah. and and you could put out songs so instantaneously, and 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 uh, you know, even like the disc records and all that shit. Like when Nas did Ether, like that was like, yo, this is this is life or death. When he took on Jay Z, it was like life or death. When LL was going at Kumol D, it was life or death. You had, you know, there was no, I'm gonna put one out. Okay, this didn't work. I'll put another one out. You know, and 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 it, it just was, you know, like when you had a record deal. Like even for you, you had like a re- like it's like you had to do all this shit to get the record deal. Yeah. And then you know all this shit to do the single. And going to- into recording studio cost a. You know, money. You know, that time recording was, on two-inch tape or and something. And you had to go in there with your shit written, and you yeah. like you couldn't fuck around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I get concerned about the music, the musicality, and yeah. the craftsmanship. Like you talk about premiere, and we talk about tribe, and you know all all the people, all the, the the regular cast of characters. Like it was a life and death quality to yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like to, everything's to, like that now. Video editing. You know, like mm-hmm. you got your laptop, your la- the laptop computer now, or an iPhone. Has all of these preset right. apps in them now? It's crazy. That basically, automatically do what required a genius and an oh, entire yeah. lifetimes of work and skill to do at the touch of a button. It right. sucks. You know, uh, if you're a photographer, well, uh, great. I, 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 it must be nice to have spent like you know ten <laughs> years in photography <laughs> school in right. 1980, right. and now there's a button that'll pick the filter. It'll, uh, and it looks know, better film, than the shit uh, you Yeah, did. everything and, is and instant. Think, and there's pros and cons to it, but yeah. I just think with the music, it's like you yeah. can't like. I don't know. So I don't want to like, I, I know what you mean, because I have two kids. I got a 13 and 15 year old. Yeah. And I, and I, and I like. But people now like it. Now it's about how people become experts at manipulating the latest technology. Right. Like mm-hmm. and, and coming up with good songs. And I mean, I, 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 I like Drake. I like when I hear Drake I on the radio. Yes. I, I like that. I like that. I like I like when I, I was uh, I was in Europe recently, and they had this music channel, and it was playing that Hotline Bling yeah. video all day. Did you fucking jump out of a window? Yeah, but I, I, I was, I was, I was sort of became the joke where I was singing it all the time to annoy people around me, which was funny. But I also think that it was catchy. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I do like Timmy Thomas. I, 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 like I can't. I can't. Plus, you know, I'm Canadian, so I gotta like, you of know, course. it's nice to see a Canadian, uh, you know, rapper crossover, especially and, a half and, black, half Jewish Canadian rapper. Yeah, absolutely. who would have fucking thought that the yeah. biggest rapper in the world would be a Canadian, yeah. half black. Bar Mitzvah Jew. Yeah, he was rapper. Bar Mitzvah. Right? Former was, Degrassi Junior High. Yeah, you never would have thought it. I mean, yeah. I think it's the world an, only an America place. story yeah. by yeah. a Canadian. Yeah, absolutely. But, but you know, the thing about that song, too, also, sometimes I wake up. I've never listened to the song all, all the way through. I'll wake, I swear to God, I'll wake up sometimes and I'll be singing that song to myself. And I've also done that with the Taylor Swift song. Players gonna hate. I hate, hate that hate. I, I don't like, song. Yeah, what's exactly. happening? Yeah, that, I mean those are good yeah. songs though. If I mean, you, like, if you play uh, anything lo- <laughs> enough times, yeah. But I don't even listen to the song. Good or think, bad. Like if I hear it in a car passing, that's how good yeah. Hotline Bling is. Is that you could you could hate it and it still gets into your soul. Yeah. Taylor Swift has the power mm-hmm. to fucking get in your body and your cells mm-hmm. without you even with, with, like against your own will. Yes. 
the <laughs> the M and M thing. Yeah, wait, hold. On. I want to ask because okay, I was just going to ask. Okay, now you 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 said please don't. One no, question, no, no, no. Just don't hold say anything. Hold the fuck on. Don't say anything. Hold the fuck Let on. Let me ask the question. You've been preparing to ask the guy the question. Now get the fucking question. Why do you got to preface it like that? Like, why do you have to like shit on me? Because we're almost at a fucking hour. I don't want to keep the guy. So just ask him. Okay, listen. Shut up for a second. Get the fucking question. Going back to the bum bum song. Ah, yeah. Back then. When Eminem yeah. did his own little parody of the Bum Bum song, of the yeah. Bum Bum song yeah. in the Real Slim Shady, yeah. is that a conversation that you have with Eminem? Or I, obviously, he just throws it out. But what was your reaction to that? Uh, I uh, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, were you yeah. just like so flattered? Yeah, I that- mean, it was it was sort of out of nowhere. No, it wasn't a conversation. Like I didn't know that was happening yeah. until the video came out. And How I heard did you it find on the radio, out? and I saw the video, and he was running around in my superhero suit. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he got it. It's the exact same one that was in the, uh, the, the video. Yeah. Or maybe it's not the exact same one. It's the exact same style of thing with the bum bum, the plastic bum bum, <laughs> my lyrics. Yep. You know, my bum is on your lips. My bum is on <laughs> oh, yeah. your lips. I just want to go on TV and let loose, but I can't. But it's cool for Tom Green to hump a dead moose. My bum is on your lips. My bum is on your lips, right? You hear that, and you're like, what the fuck? That's cool. And and, and the, the song's on the radio all day, right. all day. This is like right. biggest and fucking hit. And it's on uh, on MTV. He had also done a thing where he took over Total Request Live for uh-huh. a day, and he went out and he, he did impressions of me. See, that was yeah, so he, prominently featured yeah, in that song. He put a fake goatee on, and he was doing stuff with a megaphone. And I remember. Talking like me. I mean, Yeah, it was cool. I never... I've never met Eminem. You never met him? No. I never met really? him either. Yeah. I never yeah. seen him in real life. Yeah, I'd like to meet him. Um, but I did have the... When I made Freddy Got Fingered, I directed that movie. Yeah. So I got to like do the soundtrack and everything. And so I, I put Slim Shady, that song, in the credit roll... Of course, you have to ask permission. And pay. He didn't give you pay. a hookup for fucking well, putting did, you in there? Well, and... he did give me a hookup. He, he, he let me use it. Yeah, because he... he oh, okay. Officially, they don't... They did not license music to anybody ever. They never gave any music to wow. anyone. And uh, they, but they gave the music to us. You know. Shout out That's to Eminem cool. and right. Paul Rosenberg. Yeah. Are you going to direct another film? Uh, I'd like to, yeah. I'd like to. It's uh, sort of... Uh, I mean, I don't know if, I, or if or when I will, but... Have I you written like to... anything? I, I'm thinking I'm going to write a new one, a new movie soon. I, I have a few ideas. I just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I get very, uh, I spread myself in all directions. I'm touring, doing stand-up. I'm always writing new stand-up. That's sort of the main thing. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually going to start recording some goofy music again uh, to incorporate into my stand-up show. Oh, okay. And then uh, if I get a spare moment, I do kind of want to write another script, but uh, I'm just going to, got to find the time to do it, so. Fuck yeah, we're looking. I do love. To that. I do love directing, and like I love the editing process and the shooting and and and, and the writing process. But you know, it's just uh, uh, coming up with the right idea and figuring out what I want to invest. Uh, you know, f- however many years of my right. life into getting it made. You know, it's grueling. Yeah. Um, how did you wind up guest hosting? The Letterman Show. Uh-huh, yeah. And since you, you, you spoke about loving him so much, like how fucking tripped out were you? Yeah. I mean, that must have been like that surreal, was surreal. Surreal. And just so flattering mm-hmm. to also sort of, you know, obviously he has approval over mm-hmm. that, like to get that sort of stamp yeah. of approval from. So how did it wind up happening? That was the probably the single most amazing thing, surreal, unbelievable thing that's, that's happened to me, you know, through all of this stuff. Because, you know, wasn't, it wasn't just – it was unexpected because he didn't even have people guest hosts. Right. Then all of a sudden, oh, I heard he was having some guest hosts. And then he stopped and he didn't do it. 
And then out of nowhere, like a year after he'd had some guest hosts, I just I was I was in Los Angeles. I just got a call from uh, you know someone I work with who called and said, uh, "Are you sitting down?" <laughs> it was, I, said, I thought somebody had died. You know, I was like, uh, "Okay, what what's going on? You're hosting Letterman tomorrow. Drive to the airport right now. You've got a flight in three hours." You know, so holy shit! Know, so I drove to the airport. You know, uh, I had to write my monologue, you know, on the plane. I had some, you know, friends of mine who were, you know, funny people who threw a few jokes at me. And, uh, you know, literally less than 24 hours later, I was walking out on stage at the Ed Sullivan Theater. Holy wow. shit. And, uh, yeah, I didn't uh, I, I didn't see Letterman that day, but he was actually there that day. It was on a Thursday where he did two shows. So he wasn't even sick. I don't even know why I got to do it. But uh, but uh, I got a Letterman jacket. Uh, oh man! So I got I got the Late Show jacket. Who were your guests? It was uh, Scott Stevens from the New Jersey Devils. Okay, that's it always was, a great guest. You always yeah. want to like when you're doing get. That's the dream. I want to host Letterman. Yeah, and then but you're a hockey guy though, right? They had just beat the Ottawa Senators. Okay, and so yeah. uh, I uh, had this bit that I prepared with him where I pulled out an Ottawa Senators jersey, <laughs> a New Jersey New Jersey Devils jersey. Gave it to him right there, and then I said, I want to show you how Canadians play hockey. And we go into the, the performance area over by the band, and I throw the puck down on the ground. I go, try to take this puck away from me, and then I do a bunch of <laughs> stick handling, and then he just body checks me and knocks me, <laughs> That's funny. knocks me across the room. So that was pretty cool. God, um, and it was Jolene Blaylock, uh, actress from uh, Star Trek Babylon 5. Okay. Was the show. Okay. Shout out to Jolene. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jolene. It was a good interview. And uh, there was there may have been a comedian or someone else on the show, but yeah. yeah. Man, I mean, that must there's like been... no time to even process an experience like it was, that. It was, you know, you know, you have those moments where, you know, you're kind of in this business where you just sort of, I'm sure you've had a million of them. You know, you're probably so used to it now, right? But no. When you're, we're working with somebody, you're like, what the hell am I? What? I don't, I don't, I, you never get used to it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as soon as you get used to it, or as soon as you you know you start taking for granted something like that, you got to reevaluate. Yeah, you know if you still love it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing it for. Like you're doing it for those moments. You're doing it for that sort of, you know, when you reach that sort of that in between. I call it for me like you know in between action and cut. Yeah, you know, or like you know when you're on a set with someone you grew up loving, or you're hosting, you know, Letterman. I mean, like. You know, to be in front of Robert De Niro acting, like I'm like at a, like I'm like I'm in the moment, I'm focusing, but like after action and cut, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I'm looking yeah. at him, I'm seeing the dimple, I'm like, what the fuck? Is, you <laughs> yeah. know, like you're tripping out, you know. Yeah. But I and I I always, you know, I I think once you stop getting nervous and excited, then I think that's time to like hang yeah. up the cleats. Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> the most nervous and excited I've ever been, other than maybe. The first time I was a guest on Letterman, which was I was also very nervous, probably more nervous and excited that time because right. he was actually there. I remember that time. That was only about a month after I'd been in uh, on MTV, and it was the first show I ever did in America was Letterman. And a first, wow. the first, first talk, show? talk show I'd ever been on. First, any sort of interview of any sort. Shit. He like saw the show and just for whatever reason, just like responded to it right away. And uh, I remember standing there backstage, and he was standing out there at his desk, and he looked over at the side of the stage, and I just was like, hey, <laughs> I waved at him. You know, I waved at him. He waved back at me. I thought, oh, my God, I thought I've, I've made it now. I can go back to Ottawa and move out to the woods and, and, and quit at this point. Letterman just waved at me. <laughs> Hadn't even done the interview yet. But then, you know, a couple of years later, I got to guest host it, and I remember sitting backstage there. 
getting ready to go out and you know they play the intro and the, you know you know they play the, the the theme song and Paul Schaefer was there that night and he was playing the theme song from the Ed Sullivan Theater. It's the Late Show tonight's guest host, you know Tom Green. And I'm just sitting there going, "What the fuck's going on?" Biff is there, right? You know that- who is like actually the stage manager. Right. Right. You know, he's got the headset on. He's not doing a bit that day. <laughs> right. He's just there being the stage manager, right. you know, and I'm going, is, is this for real? I can't believe that. There's Biff. He's actually the stage manager. This is amazing. So Damn. That's fucking yeah. crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that crazy. And then and then specifically, because I, I want to let you go, because we've been, we've been rocking for a minute. Well, <laughs> this an awesome. hour and Thanks seven Thanks for having minutes. me on the show. I appreciate it. Yo, man. Yo, yeah. it's an honor, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. I've got a podcast, too. We are, we're we're uh, network uh, label mates. Absolutely. We're on, label mates. Yeah, CBS Radio, yep. uh, Play It Network. And we, what, what's uh, the name of iTunes, your podcast? The Tom Green Radio Show. And uh, and it's a podcast, but I call it the Tom Green Radio Show. I want to come on there, man. Yeah, absolutely, and and I, I record it uh, just down the street. So you've always been sort of ahead of the the curb, like because like when I came to your house, I think it was two thousand and seven. And did you, you? I don't know if it was called. I'm sorry, the Tom Green Show, but it was out of your house. Yeah, like you know that you've always sort of been a beat ahead with that shit. And you like, had the live stream, and and back then I. I actually like they were taking you were taking you were questions. taking questions. Yeah. And I had I had D. Put a don't make it in. about yourself. I'll fucking kick you right the fuck well, out of here. Saying. Finishing up the interview with, with no, Tom. I'm Green. making it about all of us. It no, but no, no. Finish, finish up the thing. No, finish I'm just saying. I, I submitted a question. He and submitted you when I came up to your house. Yeah, and I think it was about road and trip. He, yeah, and I and you thought that that was important enough to bring up now an hour. I recorded it in minute nine, like on my phone of you answering the question. You really are his son, aren't you? No, he's I'm really not. This, this is no a really, prank. You're no, his son. No, not at all. We're a fucking prank. No, he's not. He's no, not. no, I'm not. No, um, um, but, Thank but God. The, you, I don't care about the, the details of, of, of the relationship. Okay. But the one thing I have to ask you about, when you were doing Saturday Night Live during the fucking hysteria of Tom Green and then the Drew Barrymore stuff and mm-hmm. then the, we're going to get married on TV. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get married on TV. Can you reveal what was the real deal? Have you ever like what what like was that really going to happen? Was it not going to happen? No, no, we were never going to get married on TV. No, no, we were never going to get married on TV. But we we thought it would be funny to tell people that we were going to get married on TV and then have her leave me at the altar at the end. That was <laughs> that was my idea. I, oh, I, it was my idea. I uh, and then the reaction to that and the uh, sort of shitstorm that that whole thing. Well, you know, I I think that that was a surprise to me that people take things far too seriously. Um. I, I I have I I don't have a lot of regrets in in life, but one one regret I have was, and it's, it's got nothing to do with Drew or, or or that bit specifically. But the way that bit worked was, you know, I'm hosting Saturday Night Live. This is my opportunity to host Saturday Night Live, which has got to be you know, up there in the surreal yeah, moments. Yeah, it's 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 you know equal to it's it's you know like like I said, the Letterman was the most surreal thing. That was also the most surreal surreal thing, right? Mm. You're hosting, I would have tripped out live yeah, from New York. Yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. And you're sitting there going, this is actually happening right now. And for whatever reason, uh, I decided with my friends when we're sitting around kind of thinking of funny things to do, well, what would be crazy? Let's have a moment where – have a thing where we're going to say you're going to get married on the show. Because we were engaged at the right. time. Let's get, let's get married and, uh, on the show, but then at the end she'll stand me up at the <laughs> altar. And then when she stands me up at the altar, I'll freak out, go into one of my sort of screaming, hysterical sort of things that I would do back then, which this sort of, I don't know what that character was, but I don't really do that anymore, where I'd like sort of flip out. And then the entire cast of the show would uncomfortably walk away 
and then I would be alone on the stage. <laughs> At the the end, band God. would stop playing, would and I'd be all alone in silence. <laughs> so this cla- the classic ending of Saturday Night right. Live, where everybody's having this great, congratulatory, beautiful moment, oh, man. was ruined for me by this stupid idea. You right. Know? right. And uh, I, I regret that, because... Uh, you know, I, I love Saturday Night Live. I grew up watching it. It was, uh, and I didn't really, really predict when we wrote that bit. We thought it would be funny, but I didn't really, really consider that that's going to sort of ruin the beauty of that moment with the band right. playing and the whole cast around and everybody smiling and waving and mm. enjoying that music and right. cheering with the crowd. Instead, the show ended with complete silence. Right. Me alone on the stage, screaming, Drew! Right. And then they yelled, cut. It was silence. The audience was confused. Because they don't know what's going they're, on. They're, they're, did he really get stood up at the altar? Is he really freaking out? And, uh, and I, I, I do, I do kind of wish that we had just done a nice ending right. for, Saturday, for my for Saturday Night television. Live. Yeah. When, when, when that whole sort of wave of... You know, this couple of two celebrities, and you're in it. Because I've never actually, to be honest with you, I've never been in one of those. Yeah. You know, but I see, I've seen it happen to friends. and I haven't been in one since. So but I, but when you're in the middle of that wave of, you know, paparazzi and, you know, fucking, you know, uh, fodder and Esquire and, and, and gossip and, and all this stuff. Like, are you like going, what the fuck is going on? Like, are you making fun of it? Are you scared? Are you questioning, like, is this, is this sort of paparazzi and, and, and is all the, 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 what's the word, the gossip bringing us together is it, is it pushing us apart like like what was going on like are you like freaking out during that is yeah. the relationship real yes or- it was yeah i mean i think the thing is is I, my whole life was uh everything in my life i was goofing on at that uh, point right uh even you know like you know you know drew and i had a, 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 a you know a good relationship we right. were obviously it was real we were engaged for real we got married for real right, right? but uh but uh, you know, it didn't work out in the in the long run. But it was it was real at the time, and she's a funny person, and we would you know sort of have fun with a lot of that stuff. So right. With the, with the you know, there wasn't really like TMZ back right. then, but there was paparazzi and like people taking pictures right. and all the magazine articles and the right. tabloids and all that stuff. And and I I I was probably naive to think that uh, you know you could just sort of have fun with with the media right and expect them to understand that I was having fun with them and it's sort of a prank I'm right. pranking you you know the media like actually doesn't like it when you make fun of them right, right? so I thought that they would kind of see it as oh he's doing sort of an Andy Kaufman type of thing right you know he's goofing on us okay. right no people didn't like that too much so <laughs> so uh, which you know hindsight's twenty twenty but it was uh, it was uh, surreal and uh, and interesting time but uh, you know it was a very surreal time I mean like to to put to to encapsulate how surreal it was the the day after I hosted Saturday Night Live and did that prank. Uh, we got on a plane the next morning to London, England, and went and had dinner with Prince Charles oh. at St. James Palace with about 12 other people for the royal premiere of Charlie's Angels. Holy shit. <laughs> so, 
you know, you're sitting there going like, okay, I just hosted Saturday Night Live. Uh, you know, people are confused about the, me bailing on the marriage uh, thing on the show. Now I'm eating <laughs> dinner with Prince Charles at a table with 12 other people in right. St. James Palace. Oh That's crazy. You know, now, what, now I'm sitting in a theater watching Charlie's Angels with Ch- Prince Charles. I'd play this character called the Chad in it, right? So oh, I'm, yeah. I, yeah. That's how I met Drew. When I met Drew when she... <laughs> This is the first Charlie's Angels. The first Charlie's Angels. I got a good story. When I was on uh, when I was on uh, MTV, they cast me to be the Chad, Chad. right? Right. So um, uh, that's how I met her. We started dating. Now I'm in 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 uh, London having uh, dinner with Prince Charles, watching the movie with Prince Charles. I have my line, you know, like I come out, I go, "The Chad's great," you know. I do something, I fall off the boat into the water, right, and then Mm -hmm. Prince Charles like leans over across, Uh, you know, and and taps me. Hey, did you really fall off the boat? (laughs) Did you really, were you really falling off the boat? I'm, I'm sitting there going, what the fuck is going on like, here, what's man? What's happening? Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> you, you, the, 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 not to top your Charlie's Angels story, yep. and I didn't think about this. Yep. I saw Charlie's Angels, the mm-hmm. first Charlie's Angels, before it came out in theaters at Michael Jackson's house. Oh, really? wow. Nice. And and I'll give you the short version, <laughs> but uh, it was I was with Damon Dash, yeah. who started Rockefeller Records yeah, yeah. with Jay-Z. Yeah, I've interviewed Damon height. before. You I mean, met, I've you met, met Damon a few times. Yeah, and Damon. I grew up with Damon. Like, yeah, we've nice. known each other since we were kids. But so Damon and uh, Kadada Jones and a handful of Rockefeller people and this one and that one, Jay wasn't there. He was Damon was like, "Yo, you want to go to Michael Jackson's house?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" And he was like, "Come, come meet me and so and so." And in a few hours, we're gonna go to Michael Jackson's house. So the short version is, um, you know, we get to Michael Jackson's house. This is before all the craziness. This is you know, this is when he's alive and kicking. Yeah, it was you know, like some of the craziness had had, uh, had happened. You know, yeah. like the child stuff and all that stuff. So when we get there, we saw the tree that he had done the interview where he said he likes to climb yeah. trees. This was out at Neverland Ranch. This was at Neverland yeah. Ranch. And, uh, you know, like there before, like we get there like 11, they're like, you know, you could order whatever you want. And this is a bunch of New York hip hop dudes. And we're like, yo, I want to like try to see if that's true. So like some dudes are like, yo, let me get escargot. Some dudes are like, let me get clams with linguine. And all the shit comes for lunch. We're driving. We're having a whole, the whole fucking day at Michael Uh Jackson. And then we go into the movie theater later on when the the lights, you know, the, the night started falling. We go into the movie theater and we were in the movie theater where all the there was beds and shit. Oh, God. Yeah. We're like the sleepovers and all that stuff. And they serve us dinner, and we watched Charlie's Angels at Michael <laughs> Michael Rack. Jackson. He wasn't there. Tra- oh. Yeah. oh yeah. He was never there. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was never there? there. But we had, like, run of the place. But there were servants. There was fucking security. Shit. At one, I mean, there was, like, a house on a hill. And I was like, what is that? I mean, far away. Like, Did yeah. you see the monkey? And the, and the, were you on all the roller coaster? Shit. Did you all, do all, any of the rides? The whole fucking deal. A crocodile, a fucking yeah. uh, giraffe. Um you, and, and the scope of it, if you if you try to like wrap your head around how big it was, like you have to think Great Adventure, like if you've been to like Magic Mountain or Great, yeah. like his property was that yeah. ginormous. And I yeah. remember kept saying to myself, like take this in and try to remember like the <laughs> like this, like yeah. how big it was. But there was like a hill, yeah, far far away, yeah. and it was like that's where the security was. It was like. I mean, he was like huge. Yeah. So that's when. If he asked you to sleep over and he was there, would you have slept over? Hell like, yeah. You would have just been like. He ain't going to fucking. He said, hey, I'm not Mike, I want I'm you to live type. with me. I, I, I wasn't his type. Too I, tall. I just, I, I, I'm, no, I'm no man's type. Right. Anyway. That's like, not true. There's no gay, like, there's that's no gay true. man that's like, thinks about like Michael Rappaport being like, there's like, they don't have like a poster. None that you know. Probably none of you either, Tom. Like, like I wouldn't think. I like, don't know. I don't know. 
Maybe in prison. They have there's some I'm of your just, There's other people they would go to. Yeah. I don't know how we got that. Anyway, okay. So that's forget about the sleepovers. All right, Tom. I'm gonna let you go. Yeah. This has been a pleasure. It's so been much great. fun. Awesome. Um, great would, to be here. I would love to come on your show yeah. if, if you'll have me. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have you on the show. I, sure. I, I'll come on. Let's do it uh, soon. I'm looking forward to to seeing what what else you have in the future. Your health is good. Health is good. Everything's good. I'm touring. I'm, I'm come see me on the road. Go to TomGreen.com and uh, check out my tour dates and come see me on the road. Everything's great. 